You know the drill. Five minutes As I live and breathe, the Wolverine. Let's not bring out the worst to each other. She needs our help. I'm not whatever it is you think I am. Welcome to another 5-Minute Freak on the Two True Freaks Network. I'm Scott McGregor, Scott 2.0, and we are gathered here this evening with uh, several illustrious uh, members of our network to discuss the new Logan movie, uh, The Last Blast by uh, Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine uh, in the X-Universe. And we're going to talk about that because that's the kind of thing we do around here, so... Let me introduce my uh, little cast of characters here, uh, some veterans of these these roundtables, and, and one kind of newbie to our uh, to our network in general. We'll, we'll actually start with him. Of the new uh, Eat It and Beat It podcast here on the network, Food and Porn podcast, Mr. Dario Gonzalez. I'm the best at Coming to I us from, from Queens tonight, or are you in some exotic locale? No, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Queens, nothing awesome. uh, particularly exotic. Going on right Queens now. is very exotic. Please, it, it so is. I hear, but you know, it's not Long Island exotic, but it is exotic. <laughs> when every week we get you know Facebook photos from this guy from friggin' Japan and Asia, you know, and well, Asia is Japan too, um, <laughs> or Europe, those other places in the world. Uh, Japan, the Orient, all of those. <laughs> yes, exactly. uh, you know, thinking of Queens as exotic is. is yeah, most, there's a lot of uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, and uh, Billings, and and San Francisco, and Oakland, and Detroit thrown in there too. You know, it's not all fun and games. No, like I said, most of the time I'm heavily sedated when I get on that. <laughs> Because I guess you have to be to go to Billings. I oh, yeah, well, you have to, to put up with people to for deal with hundred people at thirty thousand feet in the air without wanting to open windows. Yeah, yeah I would be. Do, saying, do, you ever, do you ever get the urge to go? There's something over here to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm too busy popping blue Tic Tacs. Everyone's going. I didn't know Tic Tacs. Viagra. <laughs> yeah, really. He's That's like, I, I need a raging heart on the entire time. He's like, if, if something happens, I can pry the door open. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, four wings. But thank you for, oh my God. for joining us, sir. Um, to his uh, upper, well, above him in our little Brady Bunch stack here, there's a hair, uh, hair metal hero, Christopher Tyler, one of hey. my frequent uh, partners on some things. I'm having difficulty getting this claw out. Hold on. <laughs> Can I borrow one of those blue Tic Tacs? It, it's the foot hey, claws that's not that a claw. are, are really hard to, to get to nibble on <laughs> if, you're, if you're a nail biter. <laughs> we have uh, Jason Giaconetti from, uh, well, uh, Christopher Tyler here, we, we should say, is on Weekly Heroics with me and Vault of Horror and anything else that we grab him for because he's easy like that. Um, like Sunday morning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jason Jack and Eddie, who does Bugs, Bots, and Babes. I probably screwed that up again. 
babes, bugs, bots, and bugs, and babes. Yeah, I got it. Bots, right. bugs, and babes. Otherwise, yeah, we're good. Babe should and he's on the vault with me. On that list and the, the vault. Yes, yeah. and in the vault. Yes, yeah. So hey, hey, folks. And he's done a lot of these roundtables with us. Uh, and yeah. Paul Spitaro, also of uh, the uh, downstate there from where I am. Uh, I forgot where you lived exactly, Paul. But <laughs> yeah. He's my next door. So hey. I'm the only non-New Yorker on the show tonight, huh? Yeah. No. Nice. Jason's. Where are you, Jason? He's in New York. Is he? Okay. I'm in New York. Okay. Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, about an hour out of the city. So. Also, but you you understand, like, the further you get from the city, the less we consider you to be from New York. Uh, of course. Well, you guys, I wish you would all just, you know, secede and do your own thing and leave us upstaters alone. <laughs> yeah. so, so with my current status on the two, two True Freaks Network, I'm thinking Patrick Stewart's role in this movie was his audition to see if he could play me. There you go. <laughs> you are fucking 90, so... <laughs> What's that? Are you podcasting from bed? <laughs> Why wouldn't it's you? Not a, it's could. not a bad idea, yeah. but no. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, Paul's one of those morning uh, podcasters, usually. I, I have experience in that matter, and uh, so he, he might be a little out of it tonight. But Paul does, uh, is it Jaws and uh, Back to the Bins, of course, and and various other things we need him for, you know, because he's awesome at this. So thank you for joining us, sir. I don't think we've had a round table with you in a little bit. Yeah, it's been a little while. I've been looking forward to it, though. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. So let's jump into it. Um, I got to see this basically opening day. We'll start with our usual, like, five-minute mini-reviews, which I'm apparently jumping right into. Uh, (laughs) And then we'll do some different topics and stuff and try to keep this moving swiftly. Uh, but, um, yep, saw this opening day, and luckily I had no forewarning of the whole Deadpool thing. So spoilers through this whole thing, as usual. Um, anyone else going at knowing absolutely no- nothing about that? I did not know. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and it was a great surprise. Oh, my it God. Was a, it was just... It, I it's exactly the reason why I avoid spoilers, because yeah. it was great to not know it. Yeah. And I'm glad I went opening day, because it was literally in the headlines all over the internet the next day. You know, Deadpool spoiler, you know, what does it mean, and how is his, do you get his ass so hairless, and, you know, anything. Wax. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, Internet, can't you wait three freaking days till <laughs> Yeah, that's how I found out Jon Snow died. Oops, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. What? Thanks, Yahoo. Mm-hmm. I, hey, I I'm swear. still on season one, episode one, so <laughs> I, I swear it's 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 the studios that are doing it now because we yeah. went to our usual matinee spot and have found that they've jacked up the matinee price um a little bit for first run movies, you know, they're out the first weekend. So so I swear there's like this impetus to, to get get you to go bump up those opening weekend uh, box offices, you know, by spoiling everything in the movie, you know, two days later, so you so you want to do it. But that was great. I mean the Williams theme playing underneath and and just it's online now, kids, if you wanna, you know, go catch it. Yeah, it's complete it's with it. Stanley cameo. Yeah, which well, there's, was, there's two versions. There's yeah, two the movie version didn't have. Well, the movie and version the, didn't have the Stanley cameo. Right. right. I didn't right. See yeah. Stanley. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's there's two versions. There's the clean version, and then the movie version, which is not clean. So it's clean. A clean version. <laughs> because they go no, because they re-edited a lot. His ass never shows up in it. Um, mm. Every every well every two I know here. Like every time minutes. the word. <laughs> 
Well, no, but all all the fuck is taken out of it. Like they they clearly reshot the scene in the booth two different times. Yeah, and then uh, the obviously the looping because you don't see anyone's mouth moving the whole thing. They just changed out all the 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 uh, the, the looping process. They just changed all the the words because when I showed it to my dad, uh, because he probably never going to see Logan until it comes to Blu-ray, um, he was like. What, DJ? There's nothing in it. There's no one swearing. There's no nudity. I'm like, oh shit, really? And I didn't realize there was two versions. I was like, this is not the one we saw, Dad. He's like, all right. So yeah, um, well, we had the hardcore one. I was pretty surprised to to see it at a yeah. matinee, even an R-rated flick like that. It was. Uh... <laughs> well, but but the thing is, think about it. They they already came out and said, do not bring your kids to this movie. This is not a movie for kids. Yeah. So in the in the in the opening of the movie where they have that fake tra- the fake trailer or the little trailer, not only do you have the word fuck said easily 20 30 times you have his ass the entire time like a guy gets shot there's blood like it's like hey we're gonna make this thing rated r we're going for it yeah i gotta admire that um yeah so i mean my little five minute thing i just thought it was really incredible i mean i haven't gotten a, a second viewing yet it, it was completely not what I expected. I mean, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what... I mean, I kind of knew what to expect from the trailers, and I expected more Johnny Cash, for one, from the trailers. Uh, we only got kind of the strangest Johnny Cash song at the end, um, which is kind of the one they put in everything. But, man, I was... I don't know if I can say I enjoyed this movie. I, I loved it. I appreciate the piece of art that it was. But, man, it was almost uncomfortable to watch. And I think that was kind of the point. It was a really good, you know, dive into the true violence that someone like Logan is, has experienced in his life. And I didn't expect them, I think, to to drag as many emotions about it or, you know, uh, just do it as viscerally as even the, the violence. I knew there was going to be extra violence, but that was just like a whole nother level of brutal that I don't think I was really expecting i thought it would be a little more cartoony and some arterial spray and you know you know almost you know comic booky i guess uh to like a kill bill type of level but um it was just real and visceral and all the characters just nailed it and and genre movies never get the the acting oscar nominations they deserve but i think there were a couple in this that were as good as anything else going on out there um, you know, the obvious being Patrick Stewart and, and Hugh Jackman and, and the kid who acted mostly with her face through the whole movie, which was astounding. I, I'm just going to kind of move on to you guys. I, I give it claws up so far, and, you know, maybe you guys can talk me out of that later. But overall, it was uh, definitely worth worth the money paid to see it, and I think a really good wrap-up of the character and uh, ended... I, I didn't expect it to end as, as grim as it did, I think. And I, I think it was the right choice narratively to do it that way and not kind of leave it hanging and have him end up like being new leader of the, the young X-Men or something. So um, that's it for me. I want to let you guys talk a lot tonight. So we'll go with Christopher Tyler next. Give us your, your drooling, jizz-soaked review, sir. <laughs> well, let's not quite go that far. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I um, talked to you like right after. No, someone else yeah. talked to you right after seeing this. But I uh, thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I, in terms of the R rating, yeah, it was it was nice to see Wolverine cut loose. I still think you could have told this story without the uh, the gore in it. Might have lessened some of the punch, uh, but this is easily Jackman's best 
performance as Wolverine and Patrick Stewart's most affecting performance as Professor X. Uh, I was sucked in right from the beginning, and uh, I hung on every little crumb of a detail about what we didn't get to see in the intervening years between the the reboot and this bleak future that only Charles and Caliban and, and Logan have, have inherited. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was swerved a couple of times in this movie. Uh, it took some turns that I didn't think it was going to take. And uh, I, I was fighting back the lumps in my throat and the tears from my eyes at, at several points that I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, this was just not just a good superhero slash comic book movie. It's just a really good movie. So Dario Gonzalez, go. Yeah, I got to uh, agree with Chris. Uh, you know, I've been fooled by trailers a lot. And I've seen the trailer for this movie and I say, well, that looks pretty good. And... I was expecting, you know, your typical X-Men movie. I didn't even know, actually, that it was rated R until I went to go see it. And there's been so many X-Men movies that that I kind of figured it was going to flow along the same path as the rest of them, which are okay. Some of them are better than others. And But when it started, uh, I knew right away that this was when you see Wolverine or Logan as an Uber driver. I said, "This is going to be this is going to be a little bit different, man." Mm-hmm. And uh, and and right away from the beginning, uh, I I was just blown away. I mean, I wasn't expecting it at all. What what I saw, and I went with my friend, and we were just silently engaged in the entire thing with only a couple of oohs and ahs and I think because they they gave it the R rating I think like uh, we've said I it was the Wolverine that I expected to see even more so a lot than in some of the earlier comic book appearances man this was just you know shades of what you see on The Walking Dead as far as slashing and, and just we and the story was great too and like like uh, all all the way around, the acting was terrific. I thought the story was great. I thought the ending was was intriguing and left plenty of room for uh, for something else. Just had decided to take it along that that road. So yeah, I'm definitely a thumbs up on this. Jason, yeah, uh, my wife and I saw it opening. We saw it Saturday. Uh, we did not bring Haley. Now anybody who's uh, ever heard um, like me on the vault talking with the guys or on uh, the on the bots fucking the base of my dad know that my daughter has seen uh, all kinds of stuff like Carpenter's the Thing and Aliens and stuff like that. Um, I didn't want to take her to it because I again I didn't know what we were getting into by way of uh, and it's not so much language because she's okay with that and violence doesn't bother her and stuff like that because she knows it's fake. No one's really getting killed. Right. Um, so, but we went we saw it in a movie theater where someone brought their three year old or four-year-old and a seven-year-old and then another guy walked in with his four-year-old and there was a bunch of kids a whole bunch of kids in this movie and my wife goes me goes are you fucking kidding i said not my problem i said i'm not i said i I, it's their promise and if they fucking don't shut their goddamn mouths it's gonna be a problem and the kids sat there and some of them when the end of the movie they were just upset like they were crying because they just it was too much for them um i think what we're seeing here in this x-men this and logan is not what people 
if if you liked the original X Men movies like X Men, X Men Last Stand, X Two, that stuff, even or even the, the the reboots like First Class and stuff like that, all the stuff that goes in there, this is the a- evolution of what this had to be. This is like um, if if you look at the way if you looked at let's say um, the way slasher movies kind of grew up in the eighties mm-hmm. and it became to like that that when it got to the point where they just got really intense and you got hard, movies now get away with stuff you're like there's no way they could have got away with that back in the day if you want to make a grown up a, a grown up uh, R rated movie about Wolverine and we were getting full on Wolverine he's yeah. an alcoholic. He's be his the adamantium is poisoning him. He's I mean, but him slashing them apart when 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 the when the cholos there are trying to steal his tires. I love it. He's like, those are chrome plated. You're gonna chip the chrome. Like it's just completely like and like don't don't shoot the car. And he fucks <laughs> him up. He just cuts him all the ribbons. I'm like exactly. No part of me is now going. I I don't feel bad for those guys because he told you to stop. He gave you an out. You don't want to listen? All right, now we can pick you up in pieces and with the doggy bag. Um, and I think, too, the one thing we – and, and uh, again, it depends on the kind of movies and, and well, the genre of movies you like. Um, to me, most superhero movies, um, and, and or I should say comic book movies in general, uh, tend to be too, too bright and too light for me. Mm-hmm. I like that this one, not being physical. I'm not, I don't mean like it's all dark and rainy. I'm saying like this was this is dark. This is somebody who does not love the fact that they have this in them. Right. He's bitter and angry, and he just it's just exactly what it's the kind of stuff that I think when you see um, it, it, it couldn't be more opposite than what we were going to get with uh, Infinity War and things like, you know what I'm saying? It couldn't be any more the antithesis of that, which is important because if you're going to make the same cookie cutter stuff coming out, it's going to be just kind of uh, whatever. You've got to sometimes you've got to push that envelope, and I think they did a good job of pushing that envelope because, let's be honest, Paramount, uh, you know, they can't hang and bang with, with Disney slash Marvel. They yeah, can't. Fox, so they got... Oh, Fox, excuse me, not Paramount, excuse me, Fox. They can't, they can't hang with Disney making the Marvel movies. So they've got to make theirs different. And I think the one thing you can say about whether you like Apocalypse, uh, uh, Days of Future, you know, um, First Class, all the rest of the ones, they are all different. They're different yeah. than the stuff more than the stuff from the other MC, you know, the MCU puts out. So, um, I love this movie. I thought it was outstanding. If it was, it reminded me um, a lot when you walk in. Um, I think not necessarily story-wise but like when i when we when i saw fury road mm-hmm. yeah. having thinking about the the original mad maxes and then seeing what how different and how amazing fury road was i was like oh my god this is like fury road to me is the mad max movie. that's the that's totally not a regular mad max movie it's like right. we amped this up to the nth degree i like the original x-men movies we saw all of them in the movie theaters i liked uh, apocalypse and i liked you know uh first class and all the other things and I was like, "Oh man, they made this movie. This is this is much more like uh, the way I picture Wolverine being once he's tired of all this bullshit mm-hmm. and just gonna just like I'm getting rid of it." So we'll go to uh, Paul uh, Paul Spataro, who claims he might be Doctor No again on one of these, but not really. I don't think. Well, I I, I think I've earned that reputation over these uh, <laughs> these reviews that we've done. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna start right off with. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was great. Now, part of that is, uh, you know, Jason and I, I think we usually agree on a lot of movies. And yet our 
our perspective going into this was clearly different because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want. I, I understood we were going to have some negatives and some some you know dark clouds over the thing, but I didn't want it to be as dreary as it was, and I didn't want the final message to be, you know, you're better off being dead. Uh, I, I think had they just given it the slightly happy ending of uh, Logan and X-23, you know, going off into a cabin somewhere where he raises her as his daughter, yeah. I think if they had done something along those lines to end it, it might have changed my whole perspective on it. Having his character die at the end was a big negative for me, but that really goes into personal tastes as opposed to quality of movie. Um, From the quality of movie perspective, though, I am in a similar situation of saying it was very good. I don't think it was great. Uh, I thought Patrick Stewart gave a superlative performance. Uh, I don't know what the name of the young girl actress is, but I thought she was mesmerizing. When she was on screen, she just it was like a magnet that took your eyes to her. Her name is Daphne Keene. Yeah. Well, when you consider how little dialogue she had, and when she exactly. didn't actually speak, it was usually annoying. Uh, and in Spanish, a lot of it. Yeah. So, so which they so, didn't even bother to translate for us, which I thought was kind of a great yeah, move. I, I got the message. message. Yeah. But, uh, well, but I, sorry, I, Paul, not to cut I, you. Jackman was good in it, but I didn't think he gave his best performance. Uh, there were points where I thought he had a chance to give you a little bit of emotion, and he didn't. And I know Wolverine is supposed to be a stoic character, but... I told when Professor X got killed, that was a point for him to really, you know, give us something. And I didn't think he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the whole little subplot with that family that they met up with was just so damn predictable. It was almost like they were redoing the scene from the original X-Men Origins Wolverine movie mm-hmm. uh, with, with the couple that took him in. And, you know, naturally, of course, they all have to be dead at the end of it. Uh, yeah, I got to agree with you on that one. <laughs> and, and just, you know, from a... I, like I said, I, I like this movie, so I don't want to make it sound like I hated it, but just sticking with some of the negatives just to be a counterpoint. Uh, I didn't think they really did all that well as far as the villain in the movie uh, or villains. I didn't think the Reavers were all that great. I didn't think uh, Pierce was used to quite the effect that he could have been. And I thought the CGI in X-24 was was weak. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's Let's... Get into a couple topics here that I'm still typing down on my little notepad. Okay, let me just throw one thing out there real quick. We talk yeah. about Daphne Keene uh, playing Laura, right? Uh, so this is her first film ever, and the only thing she's ever been in was it looks like it was a TV series or a soap opera for like a few episodes. So considering how young she is and how little on-screen experience she has, now again, I don't know. I mean, what else she might have done beyond that? Because just you know, you look into the whatever um, for. She she was able to portray a lot of the things that we talk about with suit actors, you know, guys who have heavy makeup on, who can who don't have words to say, who with their eyes and their looks and the way they move their body. Yeah. She was able to portray that stuff really well for a yeah. little girl. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's, it's not again. I mean, if you had said to me, "Hey, you know, Andy Serkis is playing this role," okay, Andy Serkis is amazing. That's why he can do all that stuff, you know, without actually, you know, speaking. Right. She was able to portray a lot of emotion and 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 move the story, um, if through her parts, just by her look. I mean, her eating cereal at the table when she's eating and watching the guy, you just like, okay, that girl is just there's something wrong in her head, you know, kind of thing, and you know something bad going to happen to him. So, but but she has to say a word, you know. So. I agree yeah. with you 100%, Jason. I mean, when she came out of that, uh, 
warehouse. Oh, we, snap, the snap the head. Snap yeah. the backpack. <laughs> and for a child act, actress to have a range of such emotion <laughs> and not speak, it's hard enough for uh, you know a mature, uh, grown actor to do that. But have, to have a kid do it, I, I thought she was easily my favorite um, character in the movie. I mean, so and, I thought she was great. I really did. Yeah. I always kind of get this uh, feeling, and, and it's the social work stuff that I've done in me. When you have a child actor in a movie like this, I, I, I'm like ready on my phone to call CPS sometimes. Because <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I know it's fake and the actress knows it's fake, but some of the stuff, you know, she had to experience probably as an actor was was probably pretty intense for someone that yeah. age. <laughs> So I don't know. Well, the, I know a lot of the blood and stuff is, you know, probably done later, and she probably wasn't yeah. carrying that gory of a head. Um, it, oh, man, if you had told me at eight years old, hey, we're going to fly you around on wires and you oh, can yeah. beat people up, I'd, oh, be, I'd be there. Yeah, I'm relishing it. Maybe they had a stunt kid. Who knows? Well, I'm sure there was stunt doubles. <laughs> stunt but baby. Whoever the stunt doubles were, you could never tell. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not like Lori Lachlan's, uh stunt double in Rad. It's actually well done this time. <laughs> so, um, but the thing is, I I want I, I gotta say, I mean, uh, Daphne Keene's performance. Um, I think her being so believable. Um, if you want, if, I'm getting this is if you want to say something that's because uh, Paul was pointing out things that he didn't, you know, inconsistencies or whatever. The other children in it don't aren't as good as her clearly yeah. not like they're i mean uh and i they think they you notice that be, but though. i mean they're not oh no i understand that yeah. right but i'm saying is but like they're even them in their little parts they have i mean they're, they're not much of them but the problem is uh you know you kind of start seeing you're like all right like the other you can kind of tell the other kids are kid actors and they're doing their thing and i'm like yeah. it I'm not saying it was like watching Disney Channel, but like it kind of was like watching Disney Channel. Like, you know, you have someone who can actually act who's the same age as these other kids. And you're like, come on, guys, you know, like, look at her do this. They didn't you know? back off on but, the brutality for them, though, which I thought was yeah. kind of a good call, too. I mean, they're, you know, they, they kept with the theme of yeah. it, it's a hard ass world out there and we're, we do whatever we need to to survive. And, you know, and well, kind the, of gone is the whole X-Men don't kill thing. It's like, well, at this point, we yeah. do what we got to do. Uh, and you never even heard uh, you never even heard Xavier give that speech to anyone, and you know he was already kind of past the. Yeah, it's like she's a little Wolverine; she's going to cut people up. What can I do about it? <laughs> He's like, "Well, we're going to accept their fate." With the, the scene where they're all standing over him, and like the grass is pulling them down, they're all using their powers, right? That's so like, um, uh, would you the movies like Would You Kill a Child or Village of the Damned or like uh, any of those movies where little kids are the killers? Yeah, yeah. that scene had that was just pure horror movie little kids killing you scene. And you know, I mean, and and, and that definitely again, I, I I mean, whatever else you might feel about the having kids in that role of them, like they're fighting to survive. So you're not feeling like, wow, they're killing that guy. I'm like, you know, doing it maliciously. They are, they are being hunted. So you have to do what needs to be done. But that scene with the way it looks up and they're all circling him, that is straight out of yeah. any number of horror movies. And it's good. It's effective because you feel like, yeah, we're not taking this shit anymore. Yeah, I well, mean, they could have gone full flashy X-Men fight for the end battle there. And they, they, they did kept not. it just as kind of reserved and minimalist as the rest of the movie. And I thought that was a great call because that's what kind of put this one 
apart for me. When um, you get a chick that freezes an arm and shatters it into a yeah. hundred pieces, like yeah. easily one of my favorite scenes. Well, even the movie is telling you the villains are almost insignificant because as soon as well, Rice starts yeah. talking, his head comes off. Yeah, well, yeah and that was thing- that was a beautiful scene because that was I, that was me and Honeywell just kind of screamed when that one happened because it was you're talking about the the doctor there at the end. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, Rice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we were just like, well, and as soon as it was over, it's like, well, caught him monologue, caught him monologuing. <laughs> and that's you know, well, you, you know, they let right, you finish the monologue, but now it's like we're right. tired of hearing you. <laughs> yeah, you know, Xander Rice. I mean, they kind of moved Xander Rice into a bigger role in this uh, because I was just doing some digging. Originally, um, we see the vial of uh, Wolverine's blood in in the what the heck's the movie before this? The one with Apocalypse, uh, right? Mm-hmm. They take a vial, his blood, it's off, and the whole point is that they're off, it, it. It was supposed to be that originally they were talking about having Apocalypse be the main villain. That would have ruined it. I mean, you yeah. can't have yeah. any anybody in 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 you know anybody any any you know tights wearing uh, bad guys here. I mean, again, whether you like the Reavers, didn't like the Reavers, whatever that might be. The whole point is they had to be grounded more in quote unquote reality. You couldn't have a bad guy like you couldn't have uh, you know uh, you know like. Well, no, you couldn't have low key, but you know what I'm saying. Like you could. I, have- I did want to see the tank reaver, though. I was a little disappointed we didn't oh, get the well, tank yeah. reaver. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it had to be something that was more grounded in the idea that they aren't they aren't able to fly and shoot laser beams and wearing flashy tights because that's not what this is. This is like this is the most like grimy, real version they can come up with. I think of it this way, um, and uh, uh, you know, you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's all that stuff. And then you have Daredevil and Punisher and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And those are the real kind of like more grounded, grimy, dirty kind of superheroes right now in the in the MCU. This had to be that version of the X-Men universe yeah. where, you know, it's the realest thing. So let's go around and stand characters. Um, personally, the villains, are, I kind of agree with Paul. They're, they're you know, one dimensional and they, they, Kind of just there to serve their purpose. I thought the guy that played Pierce owned the owned the part. There wasn't much to do with it. You know, he was just swagger mercenary guy. You know, uh, with bionic arm. Um, that's and, Boyd Holbrook. Okay, well, that's, you know, yeah, he's not Brad Pitt. I guess. No, <laughs> yeah. no it's, it's it's Boyd Holbrook. He's going to be in the the uh, the new the Predator movie. Okay. He's already been cast in that. Oh, Sorry, he's no Arnold. No, no he's not. <laughs> Um, obviously for me, uh, I, I thought, I, I do kind of agree with Paul. I, it'll take a second viewing to like the Xavier death. Yeah. I think we could have gotten a little more, um, from Hugh Jackman on that, but I'm trying to think if it's, if the plot even allowed it, it was kind of in the middle of a lot of action. So maybe that was kind of just no, the reason. I'm not talking about to... the death scene so much as the burial. Yeah. I, th- I think that's where, where Jackman could have given us some real emotion. He gives it to you when he's destroying his truck. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was nice, yeah. That, just, was, not, the, that uh, was not a funny destroying the truck. That was, I can't do anything. Yeah. I'm completely yeah. frustrated. But he, well, he I gives think us the, Xavier, uh, oh, uh, at least the Xavier by the, death scene was probably the most unexpected thing. Mm. Oh, Mari damn near broke my hand when that happened. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. 
I mean, I expected him to go out with some type of a big bang using his powers yeah. or saying the day. But to just have a, that moment where he's just saying, you know, this has been the best night or the of my in a long time, and all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, that was br- quick and I, I brutal really, like the rest of the movie. It did not... Yeah, because you, you almost expect more from Xavier's last yeah, minutes. Yeah, you expected but, him to save the day or do something, the last grasp of his powers before wearing himself out and dying, but just to be stabbed at the moment when he's just, you know, clarity when he's After he's admitted how, how bad he screwed up, yeah. and it's not even to Wolverine. It's like... Yeah. Uh, that's that's some real life shit right there. That now, was not Hollywood. Guys, can you correct me if I'm wrong, but it, is there some story that we don't know yet about when he said something had happened, what he did in Westchester, and he had one of his seizures, apparently, from what I gleaned from the movie, and I was hanging on every word. Yeah. Uh, once I realized we weren't going to get the full story, yeah. there was a incident in Westchester where uh, over 70 people died, including members of the X, and that's when Logan turns the radio off. Yeah. So clearly, as soon as Charles started having issues, he went all psycho bananas with his one of his seizures and killed not only the X-Men, but a significant portion of Westchester. Yeah, now, does that leave the story open for, for another film or uh, uh, something? Well, I don't think that's how what could you, how could you do. do it and have it be more impactful than what this did? Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, the thing is, it's supposed to be when Wolverine kills like a whole bunch of the X Men when when uh, in in the actual comic book. Uh, that's what we learn that he killed them because was it Mysterio? Somebody was so, mind controlling them. Yeah, someone mind controlled yeah. them. And he wound up killing all them. So to flip that switch there, to switch it around and make it Xavier having one of his seizures, killing you know seventy people all of five minutes from where I live, um, you know, which would have been crazy. Uh, the idea being is that I think that gives um, uh, you know Professor X something a burden he's now carrying beyond the fact that he's like. Because that was one of the things in the comic books. Again, and I'm not a huge X Men fan, but I've read certain things there. Um, you know, he feels guilty that the that Wolverine was tricked, and there's that guilt there that someone, you know, that Wolverine killed these people in 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 other aspects of what's happening. But here, it's all his guilt, but he doesn't even remember he did it. Right. Well, let's and give yet, Paul a chance on that one. I wanted to uh, ask him yeah. if he had covered that in Back to the Bins. Because I felt that was maybe the one tie to the actual Old Man Logan comic, as Jason just kind of said, and that I almost took it as it was the incident in Old Man Logan. Maybe somehow someone had controlled, you know, Charles to make Wolverine think all the X-Men were enemies, and and he was actually the one that killed all the X-Men. But I guess it makes more sense that it was maybe Xavier, you know, going insane that did it but what did you say on uh give us a little spoiler of back to the bins paul what was your guys take on it on on old man logan yeah uh to give to cut it down to a nutshell uh i enjoyed it but we i think we all pretty much agreed it's a little overrated and that it's considered to be like a modern classic and that's probably giving it too much credit oh god yeah or did you think that was a specific tie into the comic i mean one of the very few other than him being older and i mean because in old man logan he's he's pretty much sworn off 
um, using his claws, and he, you know, within five minutes of this, he's chopping people up. So they didn't yeah. go for the the pacifist Wolverine thing. Obviously. Yeah, I, I think they <laughs> they de- they detoured off the comic like immediately, and they really did very little to try and tie it in. I, I think the whole purpose in the comic of having Wolverine have been used as the tool to kill the X-Men was to give him that guilt and give him the reason why he was never going to use his claws again in his mind and why in his mind, you know, he was just Logan and that Wolverine was dead. Uh, in this movie, the, those themes don't get hit at all. They, you know, they go for very, very different themes in this movie. Uh, I, th- I do think the movie is more resonant and a little bit more realistic as far as the emotions that we get from it. So I don't think it's that they were badly served in, in taking the detour they did. Uh, I almost think it makes more sense. I know you can't really tie this into to X-Men movie. Con- you can't tie any X-Men movie into X-Men continuity anymore. Um, but I almost felt like it made more sense in if you, if you do acknowledge the past movies at all that... If it had been Xavier that caused the incidents in Westchester, that Wolverine probably would have taken him out. He took out Jean Grey, the woman he loved, because um, she was going all Phoenix, um, which this sounds similar, and I, I don't understand why Logan wouldn't have ended him for the you know betterment of all, or maybe just didn't get there in time. Everyone is already fried. Well, we saw how hard he had to struggle when he was trying to get him his shot from... Yeah. The first floor of the hotel. I mean, yeah. it's it's such one of those... an easy special effect, but it was so you know well, effective th- too because it's th- literally th- just kind of they're shaking the camera the whole time. Well, that was one of the things I really appreciated about this. I, never in fifty years of continuity have they really ever addressed what happens to the most powerful mind in the Marvel universe when it's degenerating. That's what I was talking to uh, Honeywell right it, after it. It's, a, it's, it's an answer to a question I didn't even know I had. Yeah. It's a, it's a, uh-huh. it's a, just a fantastic line of drama to, to take that character through it dark, but I mean, man, it's just a, a great question that I can't, I don't think anybody's ever asked. No, I, I, it, it was one of the high points of the, the movie to, for me anyone else like really been like wow I never really thought of that I hadn't either yeah, yeah. Paul right. well, I, I mean I think that that was again I think that was a good road for them to go on this one uh, and it, it allowed them I mean of the people in this movie I think you know there's no question in my mind Patrick Stewart is the best best actor as far as conveying emotion uh, and and feelings and struggles and things like that. So it allowed them to not only play that character point, but also to utilize their best actor in a way where he was really getting to 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 emote without over-emoting. Well, he got to play more than just logical and stoic in this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him having to show Wolverine he swallowed the pills and his reaction to it being like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was very unsettling to see Xavier like that. Exactly. Range. I mean, he was he had the most range of, of any of the actors. I mean, I, I think one of my favorite scenes was when they were in the hotel room and they were watching Shane, uh-huh. one of my favorite movies. And he's just telling, you know. X twenty three about you know I saw this movie when I was your age yeah. and and just the way he was you could tell that it was just he just bonded with her and 
and and they click even though she didn't say a word to him until after he had died you know she hadn't spoken yet you just knew that 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 they had something going and and, and apparently she has a phenomenal memory because she remembered every line of dialogue for the end of oh it. Wow. easily easily my favorite little little snippet from the movie was the shane reference how she yeah. just she laid the whole thing out over the over his grave i mean it was uh, see, I, I, I got to depart from you on that. I thought that was a little heavy-handed, and <laughs> I didn't think it really totally fit the situation. I don't. Know. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it made sense in in the context of the character. That I, was, I was you really know, along for the ride with one of too. her, yeah. you know, most visceral experiences of Charles and 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 Logan was you know Shane basically, and I think she had this awareness of that's what movie she was actually in <laughs> so. when she says that over the grave uh you know it's it to me it, it it hits i mean and then i think uh and i hero and i had mentioned we were talking about this the other day um with with the guys from the, the vault when they when she takes the cross and oh, turns it yeah. to make the x that right now i know a moment as far as i was concerned right say, and I, that could have been oh sorry paul you know what you're saying I said that was a much better moment than her reciting yeah. dialogue as far as I was concerned. And totally unexpected. I didn't see that. I yeah. saw the cross and I was going, well, I don't know if Wolverine would want to cross. And, and right. then when she just tipped it over like that, I said, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah, I lost it. I, yeah, that I was – yeah, there's, there's the guy that <laughs> helped save the planet and all these kids countless times in an unmarked grave – and it's just, and he's not even home. He's not even in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Close, but yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, when, when she, when she, t- you know, take it over. That could have been a really cheesy moment, and it definitely does not play that way. I'm sure there are people who felt it was, but when she tips it and makes the X, no one was like, "Oh, you got to be kidding!" Everyone was like, "Oh my!" I mean, I mean, uh, you know, there was a lot. I mean. It's it's hard at that point because you now have invested, what seventeen years, however many, how many years has it been? He's been playing Wolverine, right? Yeah, you know, kind of 17. thing. So, seventeen years, right? It's a lot of investment. Whether you like the movies or not, you've invested a lot of time in one character. And I would have a hard time being honest. I would have a very hard time seeing someone else play Wolverine in any other movie who's not Hugh Jackman because he's kind of embodied that role. You know, it's yeah, kind of like saying. Up. Right, it's kind of like saying, "Hey, we have a new Dirty Harry." Mm, no, yeah, you don't. I mean, you it's, know, it's unprecedented <laughs> in, in, in comics. No, no one's had the role of any of them that long. You know. Yeah, yeah he's the record holder for time spent in most live action performances. I mean, it's, it's nine movies, and he's only in a wow. few minutes of a few of them. But <laughs> right, you know. Could I throw yeah, something but, out to you guys real quick? Because yeah. we were. I saw this with uh, with my best friend, and we see all the nerd movies together. And, and after we finished watching the movie, we went down to the pub, and we had uh, you know some beer and some chicken wings, and we were getting into Word the movie. Went out for Logan on the ground, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit of the old E down on the floor. But we were saying, you know what? We thought that it was a really, really bold idea because I don't think that. If you had taken someone that had never seen an X-Men movie before, do you think they would have known what the hell was really going on in this movie? Or Probably not. I guess yeah. That's what we came to conclude. Is we were going to take a friend of ours, and, and he saw, ah, that fucking guy, he's never seen an X-Men movie before. He would just be asking us questions because he wouldn't figure out what was going on. I think that it's, it was it was a really bold a really bold move that, that if you hadn't seen an X-Men movie 
I, I think that you may be a little lost with a lot of what was was going on. Or do you think that that I mean, you would have enjoyed it for this year? I think there was enough emotional resonance there that even if you only had a passing familiarity with Wolverine, like a yard, you know, he heals, he has claws and he's a badass. I think you get enough of the story from the interactions he has with with Charles throughout yeah, the course take of a it. non-nerd friend and, and catch him up pretty quickly on Wolverine. He's not a, you know, seriously complex, you know, character. Like, he's like 200 years old at this point. But he is. Choppy, and he, well, he <laughs> is, but yeah. Um, well, that, yeah, I mean, well, that's, I mean, it's, for Wolverine himself, if you actually track these movies, and there was a nice little uh, YouTube clip I found from Cinefix, and they actually did his timeline throughout the course of the movies. So he's born in, like, 1832 right right uh-huh. so he lives the first timeline where eventually he ends up killing gene and then traveling to japan right then they have the reset timeline where we're only getting snippets but then he's living all of those decades again from 1980 on so i mean right. he's got uh, centuries of life experience and baggage that he's carrying by the time we actually see him at this point because he clearly remembers New York and the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Right? So it's like there's just a lot of shit going on in his head. I, I can understand why he he was the way he was in this. And you know what the most humanizing thing in this movie for him was? When he takes out the fucking glasses and puts them on. Oh, absolutely! I oh was god. like, "Oh my god!" Him trying to pull his claw out and putting on and putting on the glasses. It was yeah. just that is like you would never have expected to see. Oh, who expected Wolverine. arthritis of the claw? Right? They, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> and they really this is the never referenced. They never reference him like having super senses at all in this. Like they never really played it up that much in the movies either. Not like they do in the books. You know, where he's like a shark, he could smell blood a mile away and shit. Um, so I don't know if that was a mistake or not. Uh, well, he's, he's clearly all the powers have diminished. Yeah. I mean, he's yes, is he still tough? Yeah. But it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's like Sandy Koufax. Like, he basically threw his arm out living the life that he led with, yeah. you know, a great retcon, I thought, was the, the uh, adamantium poisoning his body. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of that. Um, I have I no problem with that. They, they have done that in the comics. Yeah, fact, that's what the, I was going to say. The Paul, recent does... Death of Wolverine series that they had. That's right. Yeah, that was that's the premise right. of it. And and I can't be alone in, in thinking I'm, I was the only one that was kind of hoping it would end in Adamantian's statue Wolverine, but that would have been <laughs> too big for this movie. That's a little cheesy. Yeah. Well, you know, but what does it say for X-23 now at whatever she is, 11 years old? She's only got the claws. She doesn't have it, the, have it everywhere. Oh, I thought she did. No, she's only got the, the, the claws in her hands and feet. And she still, still has... Uh, she has a healing factor, too, though, right? right. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, has yeah, a yeah. healing factor, because Logan is her dad, her yeah. clone dad. He is the direct source of the, the cloning. No, but I, I think I mean they've I think they even really kind of did that in earlier X Men comics too to an extent. They always kind of said that it's like the only way we picked this guy because the only way the he can survive factor. the process is because of his healing. Yeah, because when Magneto ripped all the adamantium out of him, didn't he have like almost instant healing factor even from the most extreme wounds? 
Well, well right, this, right, that was yeah, the only reason he survived that, that he came close to death. Yeah. And the healing factor was the only thing that got him through it. Yeah, he was in bad shape for quite a while after that. He turned into Ape Man for a while, which was really weird. <laughs> well, it does take some time <laughs> to put yourself back together again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I think, you know, the grave is as final as it was for Wolverine probably isn't because i mean if they really wanted to dig him up out of there they could they could go back to the hole as long as a single cell survives well no uh, god no please no no yeah, yeah i hope not <laughs> you know no. especially since they'll have to dig him out looking like a new actor so we'll have to you know wreck oh that, that would too. no he, he's so, he's done his bit for for nerd and country just <laughs> let it go out on the high note i agree so, so if if the living however long you know since the 1800s and Stopping countless uh, threats to humanity, he was killed by a dead tree branch. <laughs> he was killed by his healing factor not working. Well, they also then the the super steroids they gave him. The kid even told him, "Don't take them all at once; they'll kill you." So, so you this know, was comic book science. Yeah, it's comic book science. It's fine. Yeah. Eventually, he was going to die. How long he would have lived if none of this went down? Who knows? But it probably would have been an even you know a continued deterioration i mean yeah. he was having trouble seeing he could actually get drunk he yeah. wasn't healing fast so i mean he the writing was kind of rough, on the wall I, and they did swerve me i thought he was going to somehow survive yeah and then be take, take the kids across to canada now he's back in his home country and he and knows what alpha flight yes and he's yeah whatever new mutants <laughs> alpha flight but he knows what a real life is at this point and he's actually going to be able to grab onto a little bit before he dies mm-hmm. not in this he only realizes it at the very end it was unpredictable to me I, the whole thing was just very very I thought it was pretty unpredictable I, I couldn't just when I thought like you said Chris I thought that that's what was going to happen I thought he was going to become the new Professor X or something and find some type of meaning in his life and then all of a sudden, he's, like, killed by a tree branch, like you said. Yeah. I, I would have been okay with that, but I, I still think it's kind of a braver decision to actually, you know, put yeah. six feet under. Um, it is, but it just left to, I don't know, I, I just, again, I'm a little bit more of a sap for a happy ending. So right. I, I would have liked, you know, he, he's near death, but he survives it, he slowly heals, and then he goes off to raise his daughter, like I said, in a cabin in the woods or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if this will get a lot of repeat business because it's not the kind of movie I, I want to rush to. It's not going to need it. I mean, it's it's no, making no, huge I mean, bank. I and this felt one like crap when this thing was over. <laughs> I uh, like, I didn't uh, feel like crap. I I I felt I felt pretty positive. I mean, it's not the happiest ending for him to go out on, but he goes out still as a hero, doing the right thing, and and realizing that even though he is this broken person, he still had meaning for it. X-23 and for these other kids and that's really all he had left Charles is gone all the other X-Men are gone if the last thing I do is to get these kids to safety even after I've been a total cynic the whole movie there's worse ways to go yeah I feel the same way I mean do you did you, how much money has this movie made? Has anybody looked into? Oh, it's made. It made eighty-eight. It made eighty-eight million. It's open weekend. this weekend. Yeah, this so, past weekend. Alone. So, is it pretty safe to say that we're going to see these mutant kids again in another? In we're a, getting a new mutants movie, but I don't think it's going to be them. No, you know, the new mutants I, movie I is supposed the, to be in the eighties. 
the new Mutants movie they're coming out is supposed to be the like one of those like flashback movies. I don't even care. If you let, go into let, the themes of this movie, I think those kids were going off to not use their superpowers and not be the X Men because they were created to be weapons and they were rebelling against that. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize this before. I read one site on the internet that posited that these kids were, you know, that they had. I guess maybe this should have made sense to me that you know the the lab experiments that were being done on them. They had the DNA of of like all the, the X Men. That's why we had an Ice Man kid and a pirate. They had a Magneto, an Ice Man. Yeah. Hey, that makes sense. I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, well, Richter's in there too. He, yeah. you know, using the the stuff. I mean, they there. There's definitely you know pieces in there that make sense to be part of the you know all those those insane number of X titles, Alpha Force and X Force, and all the other stuff that was all occurring back in the day. They definitely put those in there um, to kind of like you know give you those like, hey, I, that guy looks. You know, I know that. I know that. I mean, it doesn't flat out say that you know Bobby uh, that um, um, Bobby Frost or whatever, what the heck what's Bobby Drake's name? Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake. Thank you. Bobby Frost. Yeah, Bobby Frost to be too on the nose. Uh, Robert Frost. (laughs) (laughs) Too on the nose, man. Yeah, Um, I mean, it it would be too much to say that you know that Drake's her dad, you know, but clearly she has ice powers. And well, I like that they didn't hit us over the head with that and do the usual. You know, oh, here's Blink showing up, and you know, just to be killed. Because she's going to be. Here's, here's this show. guy from this X run, and here's Bishop with no business being in this story. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I just I like that we'll they see, like the Goonies with uh, X powers, right? And Richter, <laughs> Richter is the one. That I, I felt that you know. Richter is the one they'll probably grab for like X Force down the line. As you said, it probably won't be the same. No, it's going to X Force is going to be Cable, Deadpool, and. Some right, of but I mean, Richter was always a big X Force guy, so I can't see them not going with him. Um, but I, I want to put this out there: as screwy as the X Men movie universe gets, continuity-wise, and you know, resets and time travel and wiggy wiggy, um, I posit that this is actually maybe the most in continuity of the X Men. That this this is almost the most logical progression of the X-Men movie. It doesn't speak well for a happy ending for them. And and if you think about it, all the X-Men stuff kind of comes down to, well, Magneto is right. Yeah. Um, the fact that they used uh, GMOs I, and I think we need to <laughs> props acknowledge to wipe that, out that the one, gene. that Magneto is right, and it always does kind of come down to war between the mutants and the humans, no matter what Charles tries to do about it. Um, but I felt like the callback to the Statue of Liberty, and there were just... You know, it didn't try to pigeonhole itself into continuity, but it just threw enough stuff out there that made you think this could be the logical progression from the end of Days of Future Past, if nothing else. See, I I took it slightly differently. I didn't see it so much as a logical uh, progression of the continuity we had. I thought they just kind of threw the continuity out a little bit and said, we're going to just throw some Easter eggs in there to make you feel like it's a familiar universe. But I think they've kind of given up on on continuity at this point, especially since this is, I think, the third different Caliban that we've had. Yeah. Uh, exactly. and, and, and they've been nothing alike. Yeah. Well, this was closer to comic Caliban probably than, than most of them. Uh, and it kind of called back to some of the Days of Future past stuff that he was like a hound for the mutant hunters. I was, uh, I, I, it was a, genu- a genuinely good character. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. 
his uh yeah i mean just just the way he's treated and, and how he is when he gets his revenge beware the light i was like yeah that yes. was some good shit Go ahead. That Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant plays him here, um, and I thought this. I thought this Caliban was better than. Um, I Apocalypse. forget who played him in the. Yeah, I, mean, I forget who played him in that though. Like, I just thought the way. Like, I mean, again, Caliban here didn't talk about himself in the third person the way he does in Apocalypse, which is close to the comics and stuff. Yeah. But I thought this character had much more depth to it, yeah. and was much more like you felt more for him. Um, you know, oh, it's just. A, yeah, I mean, Stephen Merchant, you know, as you know, as an actor, is what he is. I mean, he's kind of you know, he's you know, kind of that slubby guy kind of thing. But uh, here, I mean, like I heard his voice and I knew immediately it was him, and I was like, oh, but this is pretty good. Like he's definitely playing it up. But I like the uh, the way the bickering him and uh, Logan had that kind of like that old married couple bickering. You know, exactly yeah, the right vibe I got, and I'm like, mm, yeah. you know, maybe. Logan got real lonely one night. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but but if you think about it, it it, it totally reeks of um, you know if you if you've ever had to take care of um, you know uh, someone who's older <laughs> and sick and you know it kind of just in, in you know it, it's so over so consuming of you, especially if there's two of you doing it um, and one person's not there as much. I mean, obviously you know Logan's out you know earning the money and getting the drugs and getting whatever has to be done, and it's like I'm here slaving away all day, you know, cooking yeah. and cleaning and cleaning the bed, taking care of your father. Yeah. God damn it! And yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think I think that spoke to things that maybe again maybe it's not something that everyone ever has to deal with but enough people have have that in their life in some way shape or form where that felt like uh you know you know some you know like in wrestling we always say the best characters are the ones with the volume turned all the way up like that kind of is like a real life situation now granted you're not uh, you know no one is you know Caliban and no one's actually Logan but that that like normality about that that like this actually occurs on an everyday basis throughout this country and the world that you know people are taking care of someone who's elderly who has dementia or has you know Alzheimer's or has whatever and it's that struggle between like you know feeling trapped in a prisoner to that person and yet still wanting you know because you care about them you know you don't want to like fuck i just hate this get them and kill them you know kind of thing you still you you, you care about that person so you want to take care of them but yet you feel trapped in a prisoner and your life is not yours yeah. i thought that was really like kind of hit and i think that's one of the, th- the things if um you know i think that it rings true to the movie there's a lot of uh, pieces in here that are, are i mean clearly we're talking about you know, not just you know, uh, you, know you know, Professor X, who's what he got to mention. You're talking about real life things that occur yeah. in many people's lives, and I think that helps people identify with this maybe more than you would with Apocalypse or Days of Futures Past or First oh, yeah. Class or any of those other ones. So, well, that was part yeah. of what was so unexpected about it to me is that mm-hmm. I just, I guess, I didn't expect them. To go into that deepest, I just figured, hey, you know, old, older Xavier's along mm-hmm. for the ride, whatever. They're the last two mutants, you know, fun little road trip, you know, Martin and Lewis. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would totally pay to see a Martin and Lewis esque, you know, uh, movie with those two uh, any day of the week. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just did not. And I, I was, this is why I wish I, I could have gotten Honeywell on this. And I'm not telling tales out of school because he, he posted this on Facebook. But his father, you know, he lost his father kind of to uh, 
Parkinson's slash dementia. And so, I mean, he, when he came out of this, it was just so much more of a visceral experience for him. I'm sure that I, I can't even imagine because I've been lucky enough that none of my relatives have gone out that way. So I just can't even imagine what this brought up in him or somebody with similar experiences. Um, cause not knowing that experience, I totally felt it and I was totally on board for it and tugged at the little heartstrings, let me tell you. And, uh, yeah, it was real, besides being a superhero movie, I mean, it was real human. That's what, that's what shocked me or I was so unex- unexpected, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be that type of movie, uh, where it just, like you said, tugged at the heartstrings and, so many points, which I didn't, I don't think I've ever felt in any real comic book movie, uh, the way Not I felt. X-Men, anyway. I mean, the only similar, I, when it comes to X type movies, I, I think, I, I almost at this point disregard anything past X2. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, but. Th- those are the two that are in my head continuity at this point, and this felt like a, a logical progression from those, uh, in a way. And about the only, Another time I got, like, choked up, like, some of the scenes in this was, like, the first X-Men when, you know, Wolverine first popped his claws or called himself Logan. Um, You know, things like that. And it just kind of evoked those original 1999 or 2000 feelings in me that when I first saw my my beloved X-Men up on screen... And I've been kind of hoping they'd come back <laughs> through all the other movies and haven't really seen enough of them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know even where yeah, I was I mean, going with that. But I think we've been lucky. <laughs> really lucky to have Hugh Jackman that we could, you know, see one of my favorite characters actually grow older, you know? Yeah. He's, I mean, when his powers aren't working, I was expecting when he, when his claws, like I mentioned, had arthritis or whatever, and they weren't coming out, I was going, holy shit, yeah. they're not working. Yeah. It's not working right, you know? And, and that was just totally unexpected to me. But we don't get a lot of Dark Knight Rises and, and limpy, uh, whiny Bruce Wayne notwithstanding. We don't get to see a <laughs> yeah. lot of our heroes infirmed like that. You know, they're, they're our heroes. They're always supposed to be top of their game and kicking ass, and we don't get to see their weak points like that in a lot of these movies. So it was yeah. unsettling and refreshing at the same time. And like Chris said, I don't think I could jump on board to anyone else playing that part. I really yeah, don't. No. I, you know, eventually they'll have to because uh, yeah. it's always going to be one of the most popular characters in, in the universe, you know. Um, I'm not opposed to it. As long as, you know, my dream is if I live long enough to see it completely out of Brian Singer's hands and somebody it's else pretty much who's an exciting the- director takes the reins and, and does something different with it and reboots everything, but uh, which will eventually happen. So, Well, he's not directing the next one. Yeah. yeah, but Jackman has said that he is done playing Wolverine yeah, he here. Be, you know. But yeah. but he said he would he would come back For if Marvel it was Universe. part of the Marvel you know MCU. Yeah. And so and we, and the thing is this, and I think I think we've seen this with um, uh, Civil War, where now Spider Man, you yeah. know, after all those years dream. of I... keeping Spider Man out, 
I'm just saying is there's money to be made, and it's you know, and I get it. Like there's money to be made though. If and and Fox has the, the right. The only way to make it happen though is for all of us to stop going to X Men movies for like five years, and it's no, not going right. to happen. But it's not going to stop Fox from making them. They'll pump. They'll right. shit out they'll one just out. to keep yeah. the rights. No, but but uh, Fox right. could, but, in theory. Keep the rights to the X Men. Keep making movies and just kind of license out Wolverine to Marvel. Yes, yeah, for the exactly. sake of this one movie, because you know it's going to make boatloads of money. And say we, we're getting X percentage of the profit. Yeah, I mean, there's money to be made. Why not? They're they're in the yeah. business of making money, and they imagine how much money they could rake in if they if they let Wolverine just being one of the movies. I mean... Uh, I can't help but think somebody has entertained the thought, you know, for like Infinity War or something, you know, or yeah. who knows what they're doing after Infinity War, but I'm sure they're, they're you know, more important movie minds than us uh, thinking about it. Or they'd be I'm, I'm just massive. saying this, though. Are you ready? If, if Roger Corman... I could, you know, if, if he was the guy in charge of this, it would have already happened. Because, you know, one thing you can say about Roger Corman, the man's made a thousand movies and never lost a dime. That's, That's the idea. Someone at Fox has to have that Roger Corman, Lloyd Kaufman idea and say, fuck, guys, you know what? I don't care how much money this movie God. makes. We have no, no, no. Just listen, hear me out. They both know that the only way to keep making your job when you make a movie is to make a profit. Whether you make uh, high art, whether you make popcorn movies, whether you make Skinamax porn, whatever, your job is to make a profit. So if they say, "Look, we can rent." Wolverine to Marvel for the Xfinity Wars movies if we're going to get this cut of a percentage back someone has to have that that mentality because I guarantee you is this is that if they start coming look we're willing to do this and once that happens and the money starts coming in then it's not that far a jump to say okay let's start making these movies again and it's never going to be 50-50 the split on the on the movie itself because Disney never lets you have half of anything right um, but well, what, did, what, did, so, what did they get for Spider-Man in Civil War whatever kind of yeah. deal they worked out with that might be exactly. a similar thing yeah. but I, I have to back up your thought a little bit there because I think Infinity Wars is not the property to do it on because that's no. already oh. set and that's going to make both of cash already. There's going to have to be a new project that was not already a new project that wasn't already in the works that they'd have to come up with to, to do it and they'd have to do it fairly quickly because you know, for better or for worse you know, Hugh Jackman's not going to get younger. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is, I mean, obviously, I, didn't, I just I just threw Infinity Wars out there, but whatever the next wave is of those Marvel movies, because we already know that there's going to be changes occurring to the MCU as we know it, because we already know whose contracts are up and who's no longer coming back to play this character and who's going to go to directing because they don't want to make movies anymore and someone lost their fucking smile and whatever that might be. Um, Sean, Sean Michael's reference. You lost uh, your so smile. Yeah. Um, so the whole point is, is that, uh, you know, you could have like Wolverine. And I'm not saying he's going to be the main character, but do like you did with Spider-Man, you know, and in that kind of that level of role in the movie, just for that bit, I would pop people so big. People are like, oh, it's Wolverine. Like, it's like it's the reaction when, when the tra- remember in the trailer, I don't know about you, but when the trailer dropped for Civil War and and he's like, all right, do it. And Spider-Man comes in. No, the reaction was like, oh, it's Spider-Man. It's like, you know, it's all you need. You need that pop. Yeah. You know, you, 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 well, you, see, you if, pop the audience, you're good. So I would almost think that if MCU did it, that 
that would be they do it like Spider Man that they would mm-hmm. recast. They do a younger Wolverine, have him show up in full costume, yellow and the blues, and you know do it kind of like they did in Civil War. And I think they jettison everything that went before mm-hmm. with the X Men. I don't think they would try to tie it into the, at all. As I said I'm not holding my breath. I. I'll yeah. probably be as old as Xavier by the time they get around yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, yeah, I think you're, you're you're taking the taking the the hypothetical probably a lot further than it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I, I think realistically, it's just let's rent Wolverine for a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's King Kong versus Godzilla only. It's Wolverine and whoever. Right. But yeah. you know, you know, I think the best way you could possibly do I this want him to is rent Doctor Doom instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. But if somehow under the radar you could get a Wolverine cameo into one of the movies coming up that's going to lead you to the Wolverine versus the Hulk. Yeah. I I guess that would be the ideal to do. Oh, by the way, going back to something uh, Jason said before I forget, I I now need a Lloyd Kaufman X-Men movie in my life. (laughs) Well, well, it it could go along with the Roger Roger Corman uh, Fantastic Four. So uh, (laughs) let me stretch and get that, you know, kind of thing. thing of beauty versus the Toxic Uh, Avenger. Why not? Yeah. Um, And, you know. (laughs) Dr. Dr. Kabuki Man, NYPD, you know. (laughs) So, uh, let's chat sorry. about some of the, the the technical stuff a little bit. The action, the cinematography. Um, I didn't even notice the damn score in this. Really, I really have no opinion on it at all. Honeywell kind of said that he wasn't a huge fan of it. I just kind of didn't even notice it. I guess, which may can be a good thing. Um, I, I got a spaghetti western vibe from some of it at certain yeah. points. Yeah, and that's definitely what they were going for. Um, I'm with you, Scott. I didn't really notice it at all, to be honest with you. I was just too mesmerized by it. Yeah, that's um, it. And I, I kind of am that way with scores. I'm not a huge score guy. I definitely f- recognize a really impressive score. Mediocre scores don't bother me as much as they do some people, it seems. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't completely take me out of the movie or, or the movie itself is engaging enough, I almost don't care what I'm, you know, the score is. Obviously, with. You know, to to listen to Star Wars or watch Star Wars with anything else, but John Williams would be blasphemy, um, and I just wouldn't even. It would be a completely different movie. There's movies that the score is an integral part of it. This was not one of those. I don't think. Um, as far as the well, cinematography, the, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I just want to say one real quick. One of the nice things about this, again, uh, what you guys said about you know the kind of not noticing the score. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I, in, a, in a few of the bigger "quote unquote" blockbuster kind of movies, Gods of Egypt, things like that, the music was so loud throughout the entire movie yeah, um, that it was kind of like it was drowning out the the the, the talking. And I was like, I'm like, and at first I thought maybe it was just my TV. So I I changed all my settings around. I'm like, nope. There's it's they, they really have the music pumped up that loud. I yeah. think what they the the allowing you know you I mean it's annoying when you're in a theater and you're like I can't fucking hear what they're saying. Like I'm yeah. not that old, you know. Yeah. Kind of thing. So sorry, yeah, you were saying that about cinematography. Uh, well, let's go around. Anyone else have anything to yeah. say about the score in general, or you know? I, I think you pretty much hit it. I don't think it it was particularly. Uh, Noticeable. It was. It was yeah. more background, and I and I think the movie called for that. I think we you know we have to keep that in mind too. That that John Williams, as wonderful of a, a composer as he is, 
is not right for every movie because every movie doesn't right. need a bombastic score and doesn't need a recognizable theme for the characters. And I think sometimes that might overtake some of what they're trying to do on the screen. Sometimes the, the music just needs to kind of emphasize the emotion of that scene. And with this being more of a downbeat movie, you wouldn't want that rousing score in it. Yeah. I think a lot of that is the the cinematography. I was really stricken by... And maybe it's because we were like literally the front row and everything was very huge, um, <laughs> but it just seemed like the Man- James Manigold, the the director, was very fond of his close ups, which I think added to the characterization, uh, you know, immensely. Because just seeing the cracked old faces of Xavier and Logan, you know, that close, you know, totally sold where they were at um, to me anyway. Um, the action scenes, I thought the first one was really clunky and not very well shot, and it, it almost seems like, I don't know if this was shot in any kind of sequence or not, but it felt like he hadn't gotten his visual footing yet. It was a very confusing fight to me, and I thought it got better as the movie progressed. Anyone else thoughts on that? I mean, he, I, he still I did a lot of close-ups. Uh, I thought all of the action scenes could have used some more uh, establishing shots. Yeah. I, th- I thought he tried to go for the intense, in-your-face action, especially when you got to uh, Wolverine fighting X-24, so you had you know, the blades just flying by so quickly, but it made it very, very hard to follow the action and really get a feel for what was going on. Uh, it just Instead of having a real fight feel, it just had a frenetic feel, yeah. if that makes any sense. It, it does. I think that, that that fight scene was probably my least favorite of the fight scenes. The rest of them, I I call it like, oh shit moments. You know, yeah. I, after seeing all of the rest of the X-Men movies, you see what they did. And I was just going, whoa, oh shit, you see that? Oh God, I wasn't expecting it. That's why I think I enjoyed most of, of the fight scenes, with the exception of that scene that, that Paul um, just mentioned as well. That was, to me, the weakest uh, fight scene in the whole film. Hero? What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's not incredibly well put together, but uh, you know what? The the overall attitude that it has kind of carries you, you through the fact that it's a little bit clunky. But then again, at the start of this, Wolverine's a little bit clunky, so... <laughs> <laughs> You know, putting your body on the line for your fucking lease. It's like, you know. I thought uh, the up-close shots early were, you know, kind of necessary to convey the brutality of it, and they did it very well. But I think you could have, as Paul said, gone, you know, pulled back a little bit, give us some establishing shots. I'm a big fan of, you know, wide shot, you know, good ballet almost choreography, which maybe wouldn't have worked here. But um, I, I like to see my fight. You know, from a distance, I guess. Well, I, th- I think part. I feel like that's a uh, a negative that's come to us from the MTV generation of you know the, the 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 music video style of editing of just quick cuts, lots of yeah. close ups. I honestly thought some of uh, Laura's fights were were better shot than than some of Hughes. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree, and maybe that's a byproduct of her just being smaller, so yeah. that they didn't want to go in that close on it, and they gave you a little bit of a better feel for the action yeah although i didn't i didn't think they did a tremendous job of showing her foot claws in action no it was like one Not very very few times. one little fleeting shot and when they were cool as hell i didn't even really know about i didn't know very much at all about x23 going into this so it was 
a learning experience for me, but anyone can tell me if that they nailed her pretty well or that's read her in the comics because I have no context at all. Well, I don't I think she's ever shown that young in the comics. They kind yeah, of show her as like a... She's older. In the yeah, comics, I think adult. she's around 15, maybe, 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, what I read in the comics, I think she's pretty true to that. I haven't read very much either. Uh, but I, I know I kept looking for the foot claws, especially once, uh, you know, Logan mentioned them. Then I, then my attention was really on it, and I didn't like I said I didn't think they did a good job of showing it in the fight scenes and how she was utilizing them, and especially they, they even discussed it. They talked about how you know these are used for offense and these are used for defense, and they you know I, I thought that was a missed opportunity to to really show a almost a feral nature. Yeah. So the uh, the cinematog- the cinematographer it was John Madison. Um, and that he did he he did Gladiator he did uh, um, he's got um, the King Arthur Legend of the Sword he did that I mean he's won a bunch of Academy Awards and stuff he did First Class okay. and Robin Hood and stuff so I mean he's he's an, you know he's in Kingdom of Heaven so he's done a lot of movies where it's cin- you know the cinema the the cinematography is important it's like you know clearly so part of that though too. Um, and again, the the first scene, and I think Hero hit this on the head. The first scene looks clunky, but let's not be honest. Wolverine looks really clunky in that scene. Like yeah. he's mm-hmm. like drunk and hungover. And to me, I think that scene was just the establishment of what we're going to get. Like again, could it have been polished and fixed? Sure, of course. But I think what we were you, you got to the point where you're like, I think we're going to like. He gets out of the car and he's like, guys, you know, don't chip the chrome and like don't hit the car. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's so like, look, I got a fucking job to do. Can you nippleheads get the fuck out of here? Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's what it is. It's like he's just I am so I am so old and tired right now. So another bunch of assholes. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I I, I have to cut this guy's face completely. I mean, they love when he cuts the guy's arm completely off. He just cuts it off. And I'm like, well, you know, he told you. So um, (laughs) you have messed the wrong driver. That whole scene scene made that just set the whole tone for the movie where I was saying this is not the Wolverine that I've seen in all of the other movies I mean this this movie is going to go a different way and even though it might have been clunky perfect what you guys said is perfect he's clunky himself and that's the rest of the movie to think about, I wonder if if they shot again and again. What, who knows what order things were shot? I wonder if this was something that because uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 you have a cinematographer who is an Academy Award winner who shot things. I mean, to me, Gladiator is one of the greatest movies of all time. Period. And you know, it's a lot of the visuals that are in there that kind of suck you in. I wonder if it was part of the director saying, you know what, we need to kind of redo things, and maybe they went back and said let's shoot this a certain way and maybe who knows i mean maybe they didn't maybe that scene wasn't in the beginning of the movie maybe that scene wasn't there and they felt like we need to kind of establish this to start off with you know i I mean i don't know but i'm saying is it definitely sets the tone and when you set the tone at that point you know you're five minutes into a movie you know putting aside the deadpool little trailer at the beginning which kind of you know you're like well we're getting something different here you know Within the first five, ten minutes of that movie, there's no doubt this is no longer Brian Singer, 2000, you know, you know, you know, 1999 or 2000 X-Men, you know, anymore. This is no longer going to be that. So and um, and I I mean, again, it being what it is, I think it is that it shows you how frail 
Wolverine is at this point. It reminds me of, um, and again, the close-ups all, always make me think of this, the end of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, right? Sergio um, Leone, you know, kind of thing. Where when you, when you see Eli Wallach's face, and and even even uh, Angel Eyes and Blondie, and all, you know, when you see like when you look, when he gets that close up, Eli Wallach's face is just so beat on and like sun, like it's all burnt, and like he's just you can tell this is like an old grizzled face. When they show the close ups of Logan and of of Xavier, and even even with Caliban and stuff, these are lived in characters. These yeah, aren't. That's, uh, you know, pretty makeups they're lived in. So, yeah, yeah, that's the one thing I really liked about his mm-hmm. style is that he knows when to go in close on the the serious actor moments. Um, it's funny you said that about the the cinematographer because this kind of did have a gladiator mm-hmm. vibe to me. The fights, and I wasn't a huge fan of the fights in Gladiator, at least the the close up stuff. It was so it, yeah, it's very similar, and I just think it. You get too close sometimes. There's a way to do it, man. I, I think the Russo brothers are great at, at close action, hand to hand combat and shooting it. Um, I don't think this guy is quite that good at it. Um, I don't know. Personal choice. Um, what did I want to put out here? Oh, did this need to be rated R? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously for the content, but. Has anyone else? I got thinking about it. I've never really missed the gore in other Wolverine properties. Um, you know, I've had people like Hero here tell me, "Oh, you got to watch the R-rated Wolverine." Yeah, I'm it's like, fun, but it's well. But if they didn't fix the third act of that one, I don't fucking care. Honestly. Well, the third act of it has ninjas in a wood chipper. So, in the <laughs> so end, fine. But, I mean, my my metric was was the fight next to the mansion fight next to, which I thought was a great presentation of Wolverine's brutality and the Berserker thing. I don't think we really saw a true Berserker rage maybe until until this one. At least nothing that was really just hit at home to you like this one I, did. And I guess the, the R-rated violence definitely contributed to that. Well, I think the fact that it's R-rated, not only for the fact that it shows what he can do to people, it shows how badly he gets hurt now. Yeah. Uh, it's It's hard to portray that that healing factor and have it be or PG thirteen if, if the he, blood sticks around. Yeah, yeah. If he's if he's not healing fast, he's going to be bloody. He's going to be broken, and you. I, I think it would have been harder to portray that in PG thirteen. Um, you know, <laughs> like at the very end when he's laying on that stone. Drip. I mean, I never thought I'd I'd see that. You know, that that was he definitely was a different Wolverine. But you know what? Take take heroes point and just take it a step further. I could sit here and debate with you the fact that I didn't want quite su- such a downbeat message in the movie. But that's the message they chose to convey and obviously to you know different tastes may differ on it. But I don't think you would be able to effectively get across the message that they were trying to convey if you were going to neuter the movie by cutting down on the violence or cutting down on the gore that you're seeing. Uh, I think I think you know that's the message they were trying to send, and I think they did so effectively. Well, I so. think you could. What was I going to say? I mean, I think you could have done it without the violence, but I mean, I don't think they. It could have gone the wrong way, and I think maybe like ninjas in a wood chipper, maybe the wrong way. But you're an easy lay for for wolfy stuff. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. So we'll forgive you. Uh, <laughs> 
But, I mean, it could have definitely gone into the ridiculous and Kill Bill-type arterial spray and stuff like that, and they kept it very real and brutal and uncomfortable to watch. It wasn't like, yeah, he's kicking it. Well, but I think that's what they wanted. Yeah, he's kicking ass, but... It was kind of like, wow, I almost want this fight to be over because it's really nasty. <laughs> but I think that's what they wanted. I don't think yeah. you know, I don't think they wanted you to be comfortable watching the violence. I don't think they wanted you to feel it was cartoony. I think they wanted well, you to feel it was real and that, that there were real repercussions to what was going on. I think one of the most telling points in the dialogue and one of the better written scenes is uh, when, when the, which I guess, X-23 has a nightmare. And they talk about it after. No, Wolverine actually has the nightmare, and they talk about it afterwards. And and he says in his wolf, in his nightmares he's hurting people, and in her nightmares she's being hurt by people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's also the fact that they chose that particular part from Shane, saying yeah. you know when you kill a guy it's a brand, right or wrong. You know that's that's kind of the, <laughs> the theme. Mm-hmm. He's got to live with that. Yeah. So I think you need. I think you did need the R rating for this particular movie. Now I think the people who are saying, "Okay, see, this is ushering in the new era of comic book movies, and they all have to be gritty and dirty and, no. and violent and and have you know cursing in them and be rated R." I think that's stupid. I think it's well, a yeah. very very. It is uh, stupid. It, it's a very closed-minded way to look at things. This was successful, so they all have to be this way. That's that's what I think has killed certain comics over the years and still killed certain movie franchises because you take one successful formula and say they all have to be this way. Well, Do you the, think I mean, we'll see a lot of copycat movies with of this course. format. Absolutely. Well, they, it was like a day later that there was like rumors that oh, DC Extended Universe is now considering some R-rated movies, and like oh, you're not fucking getting and, it. You know what? DC has plenty of properties that they could do R-rated. That's fine, but just look at yeah, the Lobo, fact that this is, Constantine. Yeah, this is a Fox movie. So is Deadpool. They're both rated R. They both have violence. Both of the tones of those movies are opposite ends of the fucking spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you you can still be. Even just within the the realm of R rated, there's different ways to take it. Not not everything is going to serve the same kind of thematic ends, even with the R rating. Well, to steal, a, uh, hopefully, I, I get the quote right here from our mutual Facebook friend uh, Zaki Hassan, who's a, a movie critic. Um, he said it's like, well, now that we've got a couple R rated superhero movies that have done well let's let's not pretend that a pg-13 rating is a you know a, an artistic affront to the properties or something like that and i agree with them completely it's like you don't need to There's go no, i'm never going to need to see an r-rated spider-man no yeah no yeah. no, no. Need. <laughs> the character doesn't warrant it you know right exactly exactly what i was gonna say even, it's, if, it's even if you did craven's last hunt you could yeah. still do that and it would be the same PG-13. thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's an intense story and if they ever got there and Tom Holland is, grows into the role and he plays a mid-20s Spider-Man, you could certainly do that as long as, you know, there's a backstory with Craven there and it would work. But just doing it for the sake of doing it is going to be the, stupid. The lounge club like, scene in Spider-Man 3 should have had an X rating just to keep it from the eyes of anyone. Well, that's a, that's <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing is, there's a perfect example of this, and and uh, when uh, 
Paul and Bill and uh, um, Scott did the the, the, the the 100 movies on Back to the Bins, that whole, you know, the five or six mm-hmm. podcasts that was. Um, and they hit on a lot of different movies. And one of the movies they hit on there that was on my list, and I know on a couple other people's lists, was, was Dread. And Dread is an R-rated movie um, with a lot of violence and stuff. That movie, and again, whether you like the movie or not, you have to admit that movie would not work at PG-13. No. Right, <laughs> you can't do dread at PG thirteen. Yes, you can. I am the law. Well, yeah, well, I, Mr. I am the law. You betray the law. You know, kind of thing. But but I think we've seen that certain properties. It would be it would be hard. And again, um, to do certain properties justice at a PG thirteen because of the level of violence that. But that is in their world. And by yeah. the same token, I don't think I would, I mean, and, and I know I'm in the mi- vast minority because I like the, the DC movies. Um, I think an R rated Superman movie is a bad idea because you don't need that level of violence. You certainly don't need the word, you know, every other word to be fuck. You don't yeah. need tits. You don't need, you know, all whoa, that whoa, other whoa, stuff. Whoa, well, in a, in, in, a, in a Superman, no, in a Superman movie, you don't need that. Although I do admit, the pair of tits we saw in Logan were beautiful. But you uh, could have you could have done that in the PG thirteen too. You can have like yes. one set of boobs, one F word, right. or something like that. Yeah. Right. In, in the Superman movie, you could have the violence without having it have the graphic nature of an R rated exactly. movie. Right. Yes. There's no reason yes. there's no reason you have to show the ramifications of every bit of yes. the violence. Yeah, Especially so you just about any any P G thirteen superhero and they do. You know, there's cities being destroyed and shit. Well that's PG-13, the thing. In a but... Superman movie, if it ever gets to the point where he bleeds, even if it's just like a trickle of blood from his nose, you know shit is serious. Mm, yeah, like that's when you use it for that dramatic impact, right? And it, but it doesn't need to be, you know. I thought the movie, I thought Logan actually kind of made a little commentary on that whole system and like the MPA ratings. I thought it was kind of a a little wink and a nod to us, if anything, because there is a line where Logan says something to the effect of, "It's like, oh, you can see, you know, you can see sex and and." You know, and violence, you know, in this particular place, but you can't have the F word. You know, I forget exactly what the context of the scene was, but it almost definitely seemed it was almost a fourth wall breaker. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're R rated because we we had to throw in a little blood and some boobs. And and it's it was I've seen as much blood in almost in other PG-13, you know, maybe not as much splatter, but we've got dismemberments all the time. It depends on how it's depicted this was yeah. not as stylized as some of the other x-men movies and it comes down to the tone the tone in this was not a romp the tone but of this I, was i felt know. the joke was kind of like it's like the only reason this is really r-rated is the f-word <laughs> and maybe the boobs and it was it's kind of true well, there's only, there's only uh, one i think it still, it still would have got it for the violence i don't yeah. think you can force I'm... the r rating on a character that just doesn't deserve it or yeah. doesn't need yeah. I mean, yeah. like you said, Spider-Man definitely, I don't think, needs it. Superman, I don't believe, needs it. I no. think Wolverine is good with it. I mean... Wolverine at this stage needed it. Yeah. I'm saying it's... Yeah. Well, yeah. To me, it's like this. You can tell a Punisher story, and, and, and again, you don't have to like the Thomas Jane movie, I happen to. Uh, you can yeah. tell a Punisher story that he, where he's, he's... There's a lot of violence and stuff happening, but let's be honest, if you're going to tell a gritty 
like grimy Punisher story. I'm thinking kind of like uh, in Daredevil season two, the prison fight that's yeah. become kind of famous now. Like yeah. that right there in, in a PG 13 movie. Sure. You have to, but you have to tone things back and change things around. I do. I just think sometimes you just need that freedom to go where it needs to go. It's, it's not saying that we're, we're going to, we're going to put gratuitous nudity and, and gratuitous language and gratuitous and, and too much blood and gore and stuff in a movie. Because I think sometimes that's what ruins films. We have seen that happen. Uh, and with, with movies where, um, you you know they, well, you can tell like wow they kind of cut this way back to make it PG thirteen and then you see the director's cut which is like an R rating which runs all about like thirty seven seconds longer but it's yeah. that little bits and pieces that add to it yeah. sometimes you just need that room to expand I certainly if if they made a Captain America movie that was R I would be hard pressed to believe I would enjoy it and I love the Captain America movies because yeah. they don't need it I mean no. think about think about um. Um, Winter Soldier, right? To me, Winter Soldier is the best Captain America movie. Yeah. There is so much killing and violence in that movie, but oh, yeah. I, is there any, is there any blood? Like, I mean, is there very any like, real, like I mean, a little bit of blood, no, very like, little, you know, right? Bucky yeah. straight up like shoots a machine gun into a guy's face in a, in the helicopter in like the Quinjet there or something. And it's like, yeah, it's and again, it's, and again, it's the tone. The tone of that one is four color superhero movie. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. It, Could it, you get yeah. Rated R Hulk movie or no? I don't want to see the Hulk being so rated R either. The whole point behind the Hulk is the the power fantasy of if you were a monster and you could whoop ass on other monsters, what would it be like? Yeah, you'd have to be. You know, that would have to be the Hulk like ripping humans in half and stuff. It would be the Mark Law ultimate version of the Hulk. Logan is the one. Logan is kind of the one character where he's you know the ultimate antihero and that he can kill brutally. But that's just because who he is. But I mean, if you have the the Hulk actually run rampage, and it's implied that he killed a lot of people in some of his things, um, it would be pretty impossible that he didn't. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> if you see you know Hulk ripping people in half, it's it's going to be pretty. Well, then hard you're not to... on the Hulk side anymore. It's one thing if like you know he took right, the abomination you... and like twisted him around and right. like right, 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 yeah, right. But thing. I mean. Yeah, you can't see him as a hero if if you show the Hulk ripping apart a lot of civilians. Yeah, I, I don't need the Hulk picking up the leader and biting his head off. Like, no, I, no, I don't need that. I just need the leader to be in a movie already. I, I will guarantee you this, though. If if Lloyd Kaufman made the movie where the Hulk picked up the leader and bit his head off, you'd see it. Oh, yes, 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 I would. How funny would that be? <laughs> I'd rather see him pop it like a zit. Yeah, <laughs> that's dark. Uh, Hulk, Maybe the maestro would do that, but uh, not the Hulk. <laughs> oh, but uh, you know, I think I think we've said this too. Is that you know, um, obviously, if you were going to make a, you know, and they've already said that Lobo is like almost unfilmable and whatever. Lobo, not after this not after you know, Deadpool. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Right, exactly. Lobo would have to be in that R because again, it's just, it's just, it, there's no way to tone that down enough because even in the comic books, and I think that's one of the things too. Um, you know, when you look at the the way why certain characters written in certain ways and things like that, like we, you kind of know that certain guys are written to be like, you know, like they're they're raunchier than other guys. They're more violent. They're more whatever than the than the guys who are your standard four color guys. And 
there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the thing too is there's nothing wrong with a movie being PG thirteen and a lot of action and a lot of whatever and you make a you know, as as Robert Downey Jr. says, some people make movies for art, I make a lot of fucking money. So, you know, there's <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. I mean, good lord. It's when we already ex um Infinity War hasn't even been is not even out yet, and we already know it's going to make an insane amount of money. It's probably going to break every record for opening weekend. Why? Because they all do. Because they know what they're doing. They yeah. they don't need to make that R rated to sell me that PG thirteen's fine. Well, Marvel, so, I think Marvel is smart with with putting basically their R rated properties on Netflix, and you yeah. know the grittier, more violent characters. Because um, there are definitely some R-rated violence scenes. We haven't gotten over abundance of, of boobs yet. Uh, you no know, Misty Knight side boob was really nice. Um, it was nice. Yeah. But, uh, now, as know, long I, as I Colleen Wing gonna, is down, I'll be all set. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to Damn it. to do that in a lot of uh, a lot of their properties. But from what I'm reading of Iron Fist reviews, it might have improved things if they had. Oh, let's. Um, I'm going to wait to yeah. judge that for myself. Yeah, f fuck the critics. Um, <laughs> Fuck him. Fuck him right in the ass. I'm still going to get so. to see Danny Rand punching the shit out exactly. of him. Exactly. That's, that's all I really care about with that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely the right right tone for this movie. And uh, as I said, I, I haven't missed it in other iterations of, of Wolverine, but it was... No, if, if he's in, if it's a X-Men movie and Wolverine's in it, he's going to be as far as the PG lets him lets him go. Which is fine, because when you read the comics, the, the Claremont mm -hmm. stuff, that's PG-13 Wolverine. Exactly. And, the, and, the, and it works fine when he's in the ensemble. Yeah. When you're reading the solo Wolverine book, where he was in Madripoor as Patch, and it's yeah. a little bit grittier, it's a little closer to the R. And it's, both of them are fine. It's the same thing with, with using characters like the Punisher. When Frank Miller writes the Punisher... He's pretty close to the R-rated version when he's showing up in, mm -hmm. in Daredevil. Doesn't quite get to that line, but then you can also play with him in the R-rated. Some characters can cross back and forth, and some characters should just never go across that line. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should wrap this up with some final thoughts and stuff, guys. Uh, actually, might actually keep this under two hours for a change. That'd be a nice present <laughs> for the editor. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna try to get this out rather quickly too. Um, my, my final thought—I'll just—I'll just jump right in. So we're not, sure. since we're trying not to waste time, uh, I'm thank to, thankful to have seen this movie. I'm thankful that I've got to see seven full feature outings of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Uh, I was one of those guys when it was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And I was another one of those guys that had to eat his words because. Uh, he's been a joy to watch as this character for yeah. almost the last two decades. Uh, I'm sad to see him go. It's, he's going to be hard to replace. Uh, it was a great swan song for him. Same with Patrick Stewart. Uh, but this movie, um, I want to see it again. I think I'm going to have to wait till video just because it is such a, an intense flick. It's um, it's it's a it's a kind of a marathon watching it. Uh, it is. I felt like I, I wish I could have paused it and, and picked it up later because it was exhausting. I'm sorry to interrupt, man. Yeah, but, it was. Yeah, yeah it was, sometimes it was tough, but uh, it has probably some of the best emotional beats out of out of any of the X Men movies that have come out. And uh, yeah, I mean, for my money, that's if you're going to do a, a mainstream 
character R-rated that warrants the R-rating, that's how you do it. If you if people, if you haven't seen it yet, why are you listening to this for one? Uh, but, yeah. you know, if you've enjoyed Jackman as Wolverine in any capacity, you or Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier in any capacity, you owe it to yourself to go check this out. Yeah, but don't go expecting an X-Men movie. I mean, it's... No. I guess I'll, I'll jump in here, because that was my... I knew I wasn't, I, you know, I knew going in I wasn't really expecting an X-Men movie, and I was thankful not to get one, honestly, um, and all the tropes that they usually use. Um, but I, I imagine a lot of audience went in just like Wolverine and thinking it was going to be the same old game, and uh, definitely is not that. So, Paul, why don't you give us your final thoughts? Sure, and like I said, I came into this as kind of our Dr. No, because I was saying some negatives, but overall I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I think, you know, we, we pointed out some of the negatives in it, we pointed out some of the positives in it. I think overall it was a good movie. I, I think, you know, if I were going to give it a rating, I'd probably put it somewhere in the seven, seven and a half out of ten. You know, it's solid, good movie. Four claws uh, out of six. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think it loses a little something in rewatchability because of the heavy emotional beats in it. And that shouldn't be a negative, but a lot of times in my superhero movies, I like for them to be rewatchable. Uh, and, and, you know, that's something that we, I think we lose in this, you know, and I don't see people watching, you know, Schindler's list over and over again, right, because, yeah. because it, it just takes a little too much out of them. Hey, what do not, you want not, to do this Saturday night? Get some popcorn and watch Schindler's list. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah. date movie. Well, Jerry Seinfeld made out to it, so it can't be that. Hey, you made out at Schindler's List? Yeah, Freaking weirdo, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> well, horrific sight I've never seen. Um, <laughs> well, for, for uh, me, overall, I'd say it was, I said it was a good movie. I stand by that. But I just think it does fall shy of being a great movie. I think the negatives that we did point out, you know, do bring it down a peg. Spoiler for a future show, not completely Jaws, I guess. If, oh, well, you know what? I'm going I'm to rate it on the Jaws scale, and I'm going to say, <laughs> right. from, for me, it's probably a low Jaws 2. Okay. That'll work. Probably me too. It's not perfect. Um, I did want to, before I forget again, Paul, I did want to piggyback on your thought about the, uh, the completely useless scene of them hooking up with the family and getting them slaughtered. That was really telegraphed and bad. I, I have to agree. Yeah, but it was there just for, so that Wolverine could drop that. People that I get close to get killed. Yeah, well, like, we didn't know that after seven movies. But Laura didn't. Movies. Well, for me, I, yeah, think, I think that uh, if we're lucky, you know, we were lucky enough to have Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, you know, almost, you know, in a almost all the movies and and if they're going to bow out I think this was a great way to have them bow out to see Patrick Stewart's range um, Jesus, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that I can't say how much I enjoyed Patrick Stewart in this movie I saw every I think we saw almost every range of a classic Shakespearean actor that you could yeah. see it was a, it was great to see him bow out like this I wish that he would have bowed out like this in his, in, uh, as Captain Picard if they would have had the chance to to shine like this and Hugh Jackman I just consider myself lucky to have to have been around for the whole run and I, I enjoyed the movie I, I thoroughly enjoyed it I'm going to interrupt just for a second because just to cut, piggyback on your comment I did hear that Patrick Stewart said something to the effect of he would have considered playing Professor X again, but he felt that this was such a perfect way for him to go out that now that they filmed it, he's decided that he will not. Yeah, yeah I think, I think that's the right call. Yeah, Jason. Okay, so uh, yeah, 
Um, I, I, don't know, I think we, like we said this earlier, you know, uh, Paul and the guys on back from the bins did their hundred, you know, the, 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 the top 10 movies and stuff. I have a feeling if, if you guys had done that now, that this would have creeped into people's top tens and stuff like that. I definitely feel what this is one mind. of the, yeah. It, and I think, I think would have, would have applied too. I'm not saying it's going to, you know, displace the crow or dread or Hellboy or any of those things on my list, uh, at the very top, but this definitely fits in there. And I think, um, because I like my super, I mean, I've never been a tights and, you know, shiny tights kind of guy. I've always been the, like Punisher and like, you know, like real gritty kind of guys. This mm-hmm. to me was the Wolverine that I was hoping for. Uh, the movie, um, again, I, 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 you know, as, as Chris said, you know, I, I'm not crying. You're crying. Who's crying? You're not crying, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I was tearing up at the end, uh, you know, and, and it was hard because I'm watching, uh, you know, a, a person who, again, you've, you've grown over the years to know in this character and you're watching them, you know, him, he's dying the whole time. Here's someone who's slowly dying. So at the end of the, the end of the day, he goes out being a hero, doing what he's done the entire time. Wolverine, at least in this story arcs, has always been a hero. He's not the one who killed everybody. Xavier did it in this storyline. He goes out the hero. So is it better to go out the hero than to be the old man whose life is deteriorating and you die? And that's a hard question. And it is... This movie asked hard questions, and it gave you stuff that you didn't know you were going to get, and stuff you're like blew you away. And I think, um, I mean, I already, I already went on to the the Two True Freaks website, clicked on the link, and I pre-ordered this already, which other listeners should go do to help keep the lights on here. Ching, and uh, uh, I know that when it comes, I'm going to want to watch this again. And I had said to my dad, uh, you know, we should go see this. I mean, we're going to go see King Kong because let's face it, we got to see Kong. Um, <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, motherfucker, we got to do what we got to do. Summer, yeah, right. But I'm saying is, I said we should go see this. And um, my dad's like, okay, well, we have to. Like, we're trying to figure out time we can go because neither dad nor I like people and or people in a movie theater. So um, you know, we come by it honestly. Uh, but I said to him, he said, you need to see this in a theater where no one's going to bother. We need to just see this. Cause I know my dad doesn't cry over nothing. And this will be pulling at his pulling at him because it tells a powerful story. And we've lived through, you know, uh, unfortunately in our, my family, we've lived through people dying from cancer and dying uh, who have become, uh, you know, has Alzheimer's and have had dementia. We've had this we've run within both sides of my family and, on, and that pulls more out of it. And I think that is why this movie kind of speaks on different levels to different people. And if you haven't seen it, folks, and like Chris said, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, what the fuck, um, you know, kind of thing. But I, I mean, I, the one thing I can tell you this, we've been talking for almost two hours now and we've talked about all different aspects of this movie. We've, so we've said we've, we've shown its warts. We've said what's great about it. And it's it, great movies or movies are, you know, that inspire you to look at something deeper and to have discussions are great for that. You know, I mean, so I love this movie. Uh, I think um, it'll be good. It, I don't know if I'm going to let Haley see it uh, just yet. We got to kind of like, you know, build into these. She's not a big superhero girl. Alien maybe another story. So <laughs> she wants to see Covenant. She saw the trailer for Covenant. She goes, when are we going? I'm like, you're not going. I got to see it first. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> all, uh, right. all right, guys. Um, thank you for joining me tonight. This has been a five-minute freak. Oh, yeah. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes. All right. 
Hey, hey, it's under two hours. Please. I'm not yeah, helping. that's, that's maybe a record for these roundtables, actually. <laughs> they usually you know. run around three-ish. Um, well, we've, we've had well over five people in most yeah. of them, so that, yeah, that yeah. helps. And yeah, Paul's still is... here. He hasn't bowed out yet, so that's always Yeah, usually, usually I'm gone before it's done. <laughs> <laughs> so, bonus. Thank you again, guys. Uh, Jason Giaconetti, Christopher Tyler, Paul Spataro, Dario Gonzalez. You can find all these crazy bastards on our network uh, in various properties and, and crossover things. You know, we do the whole comic crossover, too. Um, so, thank you, gentlemen. There's a man... Going round taking names And he decides who to free and who to blame Everybody won't be treated all the same There'll be a golden ladder reaching down When the man comes around